Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15 tonight. <sighs> Romans 15. And we've been in the book of Romans for a long time. And if you notice, there's not too much left here. Just a little bit more. Four pages in my Bible, three and a half really. But as we several weeks ago started back in chapter number 12 of Romans, going through chapter 12, chapter 13, and chapter 14, we've seen lots of things, and we've seen lots of areas, and seen our responsibilities, and how we are to live in the world around us. We see our responsibility in chapter number 12 of being a living sacrifice. We see how we're supposed to treat those within the body that we're a part of. We see in chapter 13 how to handle government, how to act around them. We see in chapter 14 it shows us how to show our Christian liberties without being a stumbling block to someone else in their life. And we get to chapter 15, and I could really sum it up very simply by saying, Hey, Christian, just act like Jesus. That's what you need to do. Now, tonight, as we look at the message and we go into it, in a church, in a group of people, there are so many different personalities. And there are so many different people, and a lot of times, type A personality doesn't mix well with type B. Or I remember someone one time told me they were a type something personality, and that I didn't know how to treat that type of personality. Like, you're definitely a personality, but we'll leave that out of the whole thing. And uh, when we look at these verses, though, I see several things tonight that I want us to see to be a help to us. And our world cries out today, tolerance, tolerate this, tolerate that. But it's amazing. They want you to tolerate certain things, but then they're really intolerant in a lot of other areas. Like, I'll give you an example. We talk about abortion. We believe that abortion is murder. And you say, well, I don't know if I believe that. Read the Bible, study the Bible long enough, and that's what the Bible teaches, okay? God is the creator of life. He's the giver of life. He is the taker of life. And if you want, and I'm going to save myself and not go too far down that road tonight, but this is what they say. When it comes to abortion, it's my body, my choice. Haven't we heard that, right? It's my body, my choice. My thought is you have a choice before you do something that leads to that. But anyways, there are cases where that doesn't happen, and I understand rape and those things that happen. But on the most part, they like to embellish those, and a lot of times that's a lot less than what actually takes place. But I want you to understand something. Those same people that cry out, my body, my choice. Tonight... I, wh wherever you stand with being vaccinated, that's between you and God, and you figure it out. You want my personal opinion? My office is there, and I'll give you my personal opinion all day long. In here tonight, you're not getting my personal opinion. You can have, if you want, and I'll tell you the truth. My parents, it helped them. It did. They got it, and it really helped them. I thank God they took it. I'll leave it there and drop it there, and if you've got any other questions, you can come see me. But those same people that say it's my body, my choice say that you need to go get your vaccination and you don't have a choice. But if it's my body, my choice, 
you see there's toleration for certain things, then for other things there's no toleration. And as Christians tonight, when we think of the word tolerance, we live in a world with lots of different people. We live in a church with lots of different people here tonight. And not everybody's going to think like you or act like you. And I thank God there are not a lot of Brian's sitting in this room tonight. I thank God there are not a lot of Lori's sitting in this room tonight. I thank God there's not a lot of Maria's sitting in the room tonight, although we have like three Maria's in the church. And uh, I'm glad there's not a bunch of Annette's in the church. Well, you know, I go through everyone. I'm just teasing when I say some of those names and some, some I'm being super serious, but you don't know which one, so we'll just leave that there. But that's what, if, a, if the church would, if everyone was the same, it would be a dull, boring thing. You got a piano over here. If everybody was the same note, and this was our note, how would that be, just having a bunch of these going all the time? Or what if we were all high and squeaky? That get annoying after a while, doesn't it? Because when you have all the same thing, it gets annoying after a little bit. But when you take everybody and you have harmony, you can play something like this. That sounds a lot better, doesn't it? You could do. You have so much more. It sounds so much. Ooh, that, yeah. If you hit the right note, you hear when you hit the wrong note how that sounds why God designed a church to be in harmony and in one accord the problem is we got too many people doing their own thing and I sound like those kids before church don't I let me just give you a little thought right here unless you want to pay the bill to tune the piano keep your kids off the piano it's $110 every time it's tuned so next time I see a kids up here, I'm just going to send the parents the bill, and that will take care of it, right? And uh, it won't take care of it. Someone else will be doing it. Watch, it'll be my son next week. That's what will happen. But it sounds better when you got a tune and you got a harmony. That sounds a lot better than, doesn't it? It's about the same. Who said that? I heard someone back there. I worked long and hard to play that for you tonight. The problem we have in our churches today is that song that I played was glory to his name, and I think most of you probably picked up on that. The theme of the church should be to bring, be bringing glory to God's name. When we're in harmony and in one accord, that's what this world should be hearing. The problem in our churches today, we don't act like Jesus does. And because we don't act like Jesus does, we have a hard time getting along with other people. Romans 15, verse number 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good 
to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. I've already mentioned tonight we have many different types of people sitting in this room. And God's desire in a church is not to have the same type of person everywhere. Because we're not. We're individual. We're unique. And some are more unique than others. And we'll leave that there and not go deeper into that thought right there. But as we look at a church and we look at how a church should respond to one another and how we show our love for one another, we look back to Christ and his example. Treat people the way Christ treats you. Treat people the way Jesus did through the Gospels. Isn't that amazing? The Bible wants us here through this passage, if you call yourself a Christian... Act like it. Tolerate one another. Now when we talk about tolerate and tolerance today in our world, our world wants us to tolerate a lot of things. They want us to tolerate homosexuality, the sin of homosexuality. Now let me help you out tonight. There are many people that go too far on the spectrum on both sides of this thing. Do you know God loves those people he does he does and do you know sometimes all we preach is condemnation and there's and you gotta understand this what got us to the lord we love him because he first loved us he loves everyone that's ever been born on this planet he loves everyone that's why for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, let me just help you tonight. We should not tolerate sin. Hey, in our own lives tonight, we should not tolerate sin in our own lives. We are good to look at others and how they live their lives, but how about the sin that we display in our lives? Hey, we should not tolerate sin. Sin should not be tolerated. But people should be. Because God loves people. In a room like this, I am sure, and those may be watching online or whatever the case may be, I am sure there are people in this room that bug you. And I know some of you are thinking right now, yep, pastor, and it's you. What can I say, all right? That's just how it is. You're here tonight. If I bug you that much, go find a pastor you like, okay? And then you'll realize that I'm really not that bad. Or maybe you'll see I really am that bad. I don't know. But when we look at it, there are people that we have a hard time dealing with. Maybe they 
have an answer for everything. Maybe, I don't know what the case may be, just the way they chew their gum annoys you, or the way they walk annoys you, the way that they sing behind you, or how they talk during the service, or whatever the case may be. But just because someone is different than you, and because, you got to understand something, just because they're different than you, they look different, they sound different, they might even smell different, you're to love God's people. All of God's people. That's how the church is to function. Of one mind, one body. As we look here tonight, we're going to dive right into the message and get through these things. But number one, we see tonight our duty to tolerate one another. It's really an obligation. Look at what it says there in verse number one. We then that are strong, you look at that word, ought. Ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Now, what did Paul just talk about in chapter 14? There were times where, remember, the weaker brother, there are some things that you don't want to throw, your liberties that God's given to you. You might have a weaker brother in the Lord that they see you doing that, and they're going to totally, it's going to totally make them lose it. And it's going to hurt their Christianity. In Christ Jesus, and we've looked at these things, there are things the Bible say that we do and don't do. You need to follow those. But then there are things that are more preferences and standards that the Holy Spirit might put on you that you need to do. But uh, you got to understand something tonight. Because the Holy Spirit tells one person they need to do something this way, when it's not written in the Bible that way, there is liberty among God's people. And you can't look and say, well, they're not as good of a Christian because they don't have the standard I do. That's the problem we run into. Because the standard for Christianity is not us and what we think is right or what standard or preference we might have. The standard for Christianity is Jesus Christ. So you can't look and say, well, I'm better than so-and-so because no, no, no. Don't look at so-and-so. Look at Jesus Christ and be like, oh, I got a long ways to go. We get in trouble when we start measuring ourselves among ourselves. We got to keep our eyes on him. And that's where the standard of Christianity comes from. As we think about this and our duty to tolerate one another, and you th that word ought, it's kind of an obligation. Because of what the Lord's done for us, because we're part of his family, we're in his family now. We see there in verse number one, we that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. And you got to understand something. In Christianity, there are strong Christians and there are weaker Christians. And as being a weaker Christian, they could be a multitude of things. They might be newer to the Lord. And being newer to the Lord, sometimes they might be weaker in certain areas. Or it could be someone who's been saved for years upon years, and they're so stuck in their ways that they're kind of weak in where they stand. Those that are strong need to help the weak. That's what we're supposed to do. Help us bear our infirmities. Paul tells us these things, and the first thing that we see as we look at our duty to tolerate one another is we've got to live a crucified life. We're told to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. The word that is used right here when we look at this, the word bear, comes from John 19.17. Do we have John 19.17 on the screen? Let's go to John 19.17 real quick in our Bibles. I want you to see this verse. John 19, 
17. The Bible says, And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha. The Bible tells us in Galatians 6, 2, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. We are commanded to help bear the burdens of our brothers and sisters in the Lord. The whole idea is that involves self-sacrifice. That involves living outside of yourself. This verse is calling us, get this, what the Bible's calling us to do where it says here that we ought to bear the infirmities of the weak, it's really telling us here that we got to get our eyes off of ourselves and on those around us and help them bear their burdens as they go through life. Because this is what happens a lot of time in church. We come to church and our first thought is, I'm having a rough time. Who's going to encourage me today? When you get stuck on yourself, when you dwell on yourself, it is not a good place to be as a Christian. Because how can you bear the burdens of your fellow church members, or, or as the Bible says, to bear you one another's burdens if you're f focused on yourself? And you see, that's where you've got to come outside of yourself. And you've got to look, oh, I wonder how so-and-so is doing today. Maybe I could be, when I come to church, do you come to get blessed, or do you come to be a blessing? If you come to get blessed, you might get it and you might not by the time you leave. But I understand this. If you come in to bless someone else, you will leave with blessing someone else and leave with a blessing at the same time. That's how it was designed to be. And that's where we look at this thing about living a crucified life. It's a life that we, that we live for the Lord and there's self-sacrifice that comes in. When a church operates this way, as this verse says, that we ought to bear the infirmities of the weak, when this happens, you will lay aside your personal rights and privileges for the sake of others. But I have a right to say that. I have a right to do this. My opinion matters. It counts. And it does. But Jesus lay aside all his rights, all his privileges. To die on a cross for us. He showed us how to live. There's got to be times where you deny yourself so that the Lord's work can prosper and go on. That's what Christ's likeness is all about. That's the crucified life that each of us should be living. Not only should we live a crucified life, be we need to live an edifying life. Verse 2. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Now, look at that phrase. The Bible says right there, please, we're to please our neighbors. Now, you got to understand something. You are never going to please everybody, okay? Let's just throw that out right now. You will never please everybody. You might do a great job on something, and some people will love the job that you do, but others will not. You know, Ryan, we cooked that meat a few weeks ago. Some people, I heard great, great reviews from a lot of people, but I heard there were a few people that didn't like it too. You're never going to please everyone. But that, my thinking is that was more meat for me. So good if you didn't like it. That's fine with me. And uh, that's, now if it's the vegetables, eat those all up. But if there's extra meat, I'll take the extra meat. But when we look at this, you've got to understand something. You're not going to please everyone. And this is the thing. You don't compromise your stand on God's word to please everyone. That's not what Paul's talking about here. 
But what we see here as we look here, Paul is trying to say that the life that we live before others, and we look there at verse number 2, let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Don't live your Christian life to tear people down. Live the Christian life that God's given you to build people up. That's what God's called us to do. Hey, we're to bear one another's burdens. It's a sacrifice. It's a crucified life. But we're to live an edifying life. Hey, how many people do you edify? When's the last time you came to church and you built someone up? The Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue, right? Your words can speak life into someone, and your words can speak death into someone. Words are powerful. The Bible talks about that we should only be using words that edify. How is your mouth at home? Hey, when you talk about your church at home, are you building it up or tearing it down? When you're talking at home about your children's teachers, are you building them up or are you tearing them down? When you're talking to someone else about your spouse, are you building them up or are you tearing them down? When you talk to someone about your kids, are you building them up or are you tearing them down? God has called us as Christians to build one another up. You say, but I don't like so-and-so. Build them up. That's what God's called us to do. We see it right here in this verse. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. We need to lift others up. We are not in the construction demolition business. We are not a church, and you are not a one-man wrecking ball that can ruin everything in sight. But there are people that act that way within a church. No, we each are building something. We're building something for God, and we need to live a life that is edifying. Hey, work at building up your marriage, building up your home, building up your church, building up whatever, your job. Sometimes I hear people complain and complain about their job. Thank God you have a job. There's a thought. You can be happy doing anything. Oh, my job's miserable. Then go find another one or stop complaining. Praise God you can work. You have the power within yourself to build things up and tear them down with just the things we say. Let's not be a man wrecking crew be a wrecking ball let's be a builder and build others up we see number one tonight as we look here we look at our our duty to tolerate one another number two we see examples of tolerance what are our examples look at verse three it says for even christ pleased not himself but as it is written the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me What's our first example of tolerance? Are you ready? Jesus. Jesus. Verse number three there. If you're wondering and you're looking at this, how, how am I supposed to live? What, what am I supposed to do? To, I, are you ready? Just live like Jesus. Isn't that what a Christian is? Those first Christians that were called Christians, why were they called Christians? They were not called Christians because they went around town. Hey, everybody, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Did you know that? I'm a Christian. That's not what they did. The people saw them in Antioch there. They're like, look at them. 
they are acting like that guy Jesus. They're Christians. They're Christ-like. The way you interact with folks and people, do you act like Jesus? Say, Jesus is perfect. I'm not, I could never be like, I hear so many people give me that garbage. I could never be like, you're never going to be Jesus, okay? Get that in your head. You never will be, and I never expect you to be Jesus. But he is your standard. He is the one we look to. He is our example. Yeah, you will never reach it. Someday in glory, you're going to be as close to everyone when we are like him. But right here on this earth, you will never be Jesus. But what are you aiming for? What is the standard? It should be Jesus. And we look at his life and the things that he did, and the Bible tells us so many different things. You think about, the Bible tells us, let's see what I put there in your notes. I got several verses, but I don't know if I'm going to have time to get to all of them tonight. And as we look there, 1 Peter 2, verse 21, For even hereto ye were called, because Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. What did Christ do? He suffered for us. He left us an example how we are to live our lives. So we think about that verse and go a little bit deeper. You think about what Jesus did. Philippians chapter number 2. The Bible says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He humbled himself. He was obedient to death. He did these things for us. Jesus, his whole desire, John 4, 34, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. John 8, 29, and he that has sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. Is that your response tonight? I always do those things that please God. That should be what our prayer should be. How's your life? How'd you live this last week? Did you live a life where you only did those things that pleased him? That should be our goal. We talk about tolerating others and living with others. We see the greatest example was Jesus. You think about it. Jesus is perfect. Not one human he dealt with was perfect. And in fact, we looked at this morning, he had to tell them things over and over again. They still didn't get it. He was patient. He was loving. They were all over the place, the disciples were. And yet, he loved them and treated them right. If anyone had an excuse to treat those disciples bad, it was Jesus. When Peter says, Lord, no. Really? I'm your Lord, and you're going to tell me no? They all forsake him. They're not there at the tomb that day. He goes to them. And we read this morning, I love in that, in Mark chapter 16 there, where go tell the disciples, and Peter, and remind Peter, I know he denied me, I know he's going back to his life of fishing, but uh, yeah, tell Peter too. That's the example. We need to be like Jesus. 
As we think about examples of tolerance, we see Jesus, but we also see, secondly, number two, we see the Bible, the Scripture. Verse number four, look at what it says in our text. It says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. The idea of this verse is that when we go through this life serving the Lord, there's going to be times of discouragement. There's going to be times of defeat. Times where we don't want to keep moving forward for God. But the things that were written in God's word were there to help us learn. And that we through, look at what the Bible says right there. Through patience. Let's say patience right there. It does. And comfort of the scriptures might have hope. You see, in those times where we're discouraged, those times where we feel down and out, those times where we're having a hard time with people and other things, we need to look to our example of Jesus. We need to look to the Scriptures. We need the Scriptures. The Scriptures will help us. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And you think about this, when Jesus was going through a tough time in his life, what did he do? Remember the temptations that Jesus brought to him? What did he do? He quoted scripture. Hey, as we go through this life and as we're going forward for God, God understands something. When we live for God, there's going to be times that people throw things at us. There's going to be times where the people we try to tolerate and love stab us in the back and hurt us in the process. But when that happens, we've got to turn to our example of Jesus, follow that example. But then we've got to turn to the scripture. Because the scripture will help us with patience and the comfort of God's scripture will give us hope. You know why a lot of Christians don't have hope today? They're not in the book. How are you going to have hope if you're not in the book? Hope comes from God's word. We need God's word. And we see thirdly and lastly tonight, we see the results of tolerance. When we bear one another's burdens, when we help one another no matter what feelings we might have, and as we live for God, there are a few things that happen here. And as you close and you look at this, there is one word that is the secret to a great church. One word that makes all the difference in a church. And people could, what do you think that one word is? I'm going to let you get tonight. I say there's one word that matters the most in the church. Anybody want to say something? Okay, love. I hear love. What else? Unity. What else? Jesus. What else? Is that it? So we got three. Love, Jesus, and unity. Grace. It's another good word. Others. Fellowship. Hope. You guys are giving a lot of good words. And those are all good words. Faith is a good one, too. What makes a great church? Let me give you some thoughts. This building doesn't make a great church. The color of the paint on the walls doesn't make a great church. The wood slats on the wall don't make this a great church. New carpet pews or chairs don't make this a great church. It doesn't. 
what is the secret to a great church? I told you the word over and over again. There's one word. It's one. When we're all one. Unity. That's the word. When a church can be unified and do what God's called that church to do, it makes all the difference. Now let me help you tonight. You got to understand something. We are never going to always agree on every little detail, okay? There might be, let, let, let's just throw it out. We're going to throw it out right now. How many of you do not like the color gray? Anybody not like the color gray? Edna doesn't like the color gray, and Rebecca doesn't like the color gray. Do you see a lot of gray in the room? Who doesn't like the color black? Everybody likes black. I like black, too. It makes me look slim. Huh? So I like black, too. Um, who likes pews better than chairs? I'm giving you. Who likes pews? Raise your hand. You like pews. Who says, as long as it's comfortable, I don't care? Uh, that's a good answer right there. But this is the thing. Is it wrong that someone likes a pew more than they like a chair? No, it's not. That's a preference. And the pews we had, they were comfy. I think they were comfy. I never sat in them, but I think they were comfy. And uh, especially if you ever sat in the front rows, those were very comfy because no one ever sat in those ones. Like if those chairs start wearing out, just come sit on the front row up here. It's just comfy up here. You know, there might be some. I had someone a couple weeks ago, and uh, someone came into church and like, where did your pulpit go? And I smiled, and this was my words. Did you hear what you said? Where did my pulpit go? I said, you worry about where your pulpit is, and I'll worry about where my pulpit is. And that was how I answered it. I said, I don't know if I like this pulpit. If you preach behind my pulpit, I'll bring the other one out for you to preach behind. You can preach behind whatever pulpit you want to preach behind. Some things just don't matter. But we're always going to have a difference of opinions on those things. Some people might think that we need to do this this way or do this that way. But as we think about all those things and we go deeper into it, there's got to be unity. And there's three things we need. And we see this in this passage tonight. We see, first of all, letter A, we see unity of purpose. Verse 5. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another, another according to Christ Jesus. What this says right here is we are to be like-minded. That means we are to be one in purpose. Now let me help you tonight. The purpose and the mission of Victory Baptist Church. You say, what is it? If you don't know yet, you haven't been paying attention. It's on the wall for you. Exalt the Savior. Edify the saints and evangelize the sinner. That is our mission straight from God's word. Those are things that we should be like-minded on. Yeah, we might not agree with the paint color or agree with this or that small things, but the purpose of the church we should be like-minded. And let me just say tonight, that is our mission. That is our goal. 
That's what we're doing around here. Our goal is to exalt Jesus Christ, to edify the saints, and to evangelize the lost. That's what we do. We are to, and the book of Acts talks about how the church was in one accord. They were like-minded. What did they want to do in the early church? They wanted to see people saved, and they wanted to bring glory and honor to God. That's what they wanted to do. And hey, a church that is busy seeing people saved and busy trying to glorify God doesn't have time to argue about what color the carpet is. A church that is busy seeing souls saved and is busy trying to glorify God doesn't have time to argue with someone else in the room because they did something different than they do. But when we're not busy enough doing what God's called us to do and having purpose behind what we do, that's when we argue with one another. That's when we run into trouble. I got to tell you something, I'm too busy trying to do the work that God's called me to do to argue with you about a paint color or to argue with you about a pulpit or to argue with you because you don't like a certain song, whatever the case may be. We have a purpose in this place, and it's time that God's people stay on point with the purpose. Hey, when's the last time you told anybody about Jesus? Say, I'm, I'm like-minded. I'm in one accord in this place. And when is the last time you told someone about Jesus? That's one of our things. That's one of our missions here, to evangelize the sinner. When is the last time you told someone? One of our purposes is to edify the saints. When's the last time you built someone up? When's the last time you encouraged them and helped them in the Lord? When's the last time you exalted your Savior? Everything we do in this place is to bring honor and glory to Him. The songs we sing, the reason we sing the songs that we sing. And sometimes I hear, well, I just don't love that song. Last time I checked, I'm not singing to you. If I was singing to you, and you were the focal point of everything I was doing, I would ask you, did you like the song I just sang to you? But great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. It's about him. But you see, when we got time to nitpick about all the little things around, it's because we're off point. Our purpose isn't right. And we have a purpose. And we need to be like-minded with one another and do what God's called us to do. There's unity of purpose. There's also, letter B, there's unity of praise. That ye, verse 6 says, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we look here and we see these things, when we stick to the purpose and when we're like-minded doing the things of God it brings God glory and honor God is not pleased and glorified when his people can't get along this world doesn't look to the Lord and glorify him when his people don't get along by this shall all men that you're, know that you're my disciples if you have love one toward another The way we work together, the way we stay with our purpose. We see in verse number six there, as we just read there a minute ago, that we may with one mind and one mouth glorify God. That should be our desire. 
how we need to worship him. And sometimes people think, oh, worship is just the songs that we sing in church. There's so much more to worship than that. The way we get along with one another is a form of worship. The way you give of your tithes and offerings to God, it's a form of worship. It's showing that he's worthy. This oneness, this unity of praise. And then we see lastly tonight, letter C, unity of practice. Wherefore receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. When we are running the church like we should, we'll be quick to accept others. You say, but they're not very nice. They're not just like me, or they, I, they do this, or they do that, whatever. We are to love one another in spite of our differences. When we learn to love one another as, think about this, aren't you glad Jesus loved you? I am so glad that Jesus loves me. He knows everything about me, and he still loves me. I find that very humbling. And at times, I don't understand it, how he could ever love me. But I'm so thankful that he does.